This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by iWake.com. Check out www.iwake.com for breaking news, articles, and exclusive videos. Thanks again to iWake.com. And now, it's showtime. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Watersport's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on the water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast was recorded in sunny Orlando, Florida, the mecca of all things wake. This audio podcast is based off the lake life, my passion for towed water sports, and the athletes who have helped sculpt the landscape of the sport we love. Twice a month, I'll be chatting it up with the industry's top names, past and present, the riders, and the people behind the scenes who make this world on the water spin. The Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes and at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. iWake.com, Hydra Fenders, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards SUP, SeaDeck Marine Products, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast free on iTunes and don't forget to rate and review the show. Spread the word. Tell a friend. You know what? Tell two. Also, follow me on Instagram at DanoTMano. I also have two Twitter accounts at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. We have a pretty good episode lined up for y'all on this one. This is the 21st episode, and my guest is the Australian phenom Harley Clifford. I caught up with Harley at his home in Orlando just a few days prior to the fourth stop of the 2015 WWA Wakeboard World Series. Harley had been on a major contest roll going into that event. Unfortunately, he missed the finals that weekend. Luckily for us, we had a pretty good conversation, talking about his family, his rise through the ranks over the years, his perfect scoring run at the Masters, his on-water rivalries over the years, and much, much more. Harley is probably the most recognized wakeboard in the world right now and could probably be having a lot of fun running around Orlando and the party lifestyle. I don't get that from him, though. I think winning and being the best is important to Harley, and more importantly, I think he takes his job seriously. We'll dive into it all here in just a few moments. First... A quick sponsor word, and then we'll be back with the phenom, Harley Clifford. 
Woodrow's is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrow's handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrow's on Instagram at Woodrow's or check them out online at woodrows.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E dot com. But right here at the Masters, wake to wake, he did make history by landing the double flip here at Callaway Gardens. Harley Clifford starting off his run. Handle pass, Bill, 900-degree spin. Right back in, regular switch trick, a backside 720. Starting off the switch nine, the backside seven. Toe side edge, toe side 900 from the Phenom. Going wake to wake. Remember, he's capable of double flips. Wake to wake. The double Indy tantrum from Harley Clifford and one more trick this could be history making going for it guys the double half camera Harley Clifford landing two double flips in a row here at the Masters 2015 history is being made all eyes are on the water for the phenom and he is not done Harley also capable of wake to wake 1080s not gonna hold back anything that right there is the blind Pete Rose, invented by Danny Hart, and one of the hardest tricks in the game. The front mode 540 or the slim chance five. Toe side edge from Harley Clifford, the nose grab, chromobe 540. Heel side cut, back in for one more trick. That's a heel side back roll to blind. We saw the blind Pete Rose. One more trick left to go. Finishing things off, getting a full grab on that regular Pete Rose. And the crowd goes wild. This is absolutely insane. Now, when it comes to this double up, will we see another double flip? All eyes are glued to the webcast. This could be more history in the making as Harley Clifford, the phenom, showing you how he earned that nickname, gets set for his final trick of the set. He's taking a wide cut outside. A heel side approach in. Boosting, guys, a big double back roll from Harley Clifford. The first man in history. Three double flips in one contest run. Multiple time King of Wake champion. Multiple time Pro Wakeboard Tour champion. Multiple time World Champion. Wake Awards. Wakeboarder of the Year. Multiple times. The list goes on and on and on, on and on and on. And now the 21-year-old phenom of wakeboarding, my guest on the Golden Mike podcast, Harley Clifford. Good day and hello, mate. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, Harley. Hey, thanks for, uh, well, thanks for kind of hosting me here as we go mobile one more time for the Golden Mike podcast. Tell the listeners where we're at. Uh, yeah, we're over at my house. Dan rocked up about 20 minutes ago, set up his podcast gear, and now we're going to have a little interview. Yeah, we've... Got a little bit of a storm going on out here as well. So. Yeah, probably throughout this little interview, you'll hear um hear some thundering going on. It's pretty gnarly outside, and the lightning's going off. But I mean, we got a good spot inside, and we're going for it. Sometimes you got to go mobile to make these things happen. And I actually, I'm I'm loving the view out here. We're taking a look. This is Lake Jessamine, right? Yeah. And you're two two doors down from Brian Grubb. Yeah, Grubby lives on the lake. Got Corey Tunison on the lake. Um, Austin Hare, Megan Ethel. So there's a fair few of us. It's good. 
Yeah, it's uh this this is like almost the new I don't know, Hiawassee or Clear Lake, something like that. Back in the day, all those lakes had all the different pro riders on them. Yeah, yeah, no, it's actually kind of getting annoying. It gets pretty busy out there, but uh, no, it's cool to see all the boys out there riding. Oh, actually, Mike Daddy lives on this lake as too, so yeah, it's pretty good. It's good for you because you get to kind of get a little uh, view of what your competitors are doing during the week when they're practicing, right? Yeah, it seems like those guys ride really early, so I hear the boats out in the morning and I just peek through my my blinds and have a, have a scope of what they're doing but uh no it's cool to see all the boys out there pushing it they're killing it and uh definitely amps me up to ride better when i see them come past and do a massive trick what's your what's your normal wake up time what time you hit in the lake well i usually get up around like nine and then try to like let my body wake up eat a good breakfast hang out for a little bit and then try and ride by about 11 yeah but you got some overachievers on this lake right the guys are out at break of dawn or whatever yeah i don't really see the point in getting up that early I, every time i ride that early is when i like feel kind of crappy or end up getting hurt so yeah i like to let the body wake up and get ready to ride dude i'm so glad that we're finally doing this and um you know i know you've been you've been a very very busy man and currently six for six on the pro event circuit wakeboard world series pro wake tour nautique wake series malibu evolution pro You've been hitting them all, and so far you're undefeated. How does the how does the beginning of this season feel for you? Yeah, um, this this year has been pretty crazy so far. You know, I'm like you just said, six for six on the events, and uh, I don't know. Every event I go into, I don't think I'm really gonna win. I just, I don't know. Everything's been going together. I've been training pretty hard at home. You know, I had a really good off season back in Australia. Put a lot of effort into the gym and a lot of effort into getting everything consistent, getting the doubles down, and. Just, uh, yeah, got myself really ready for this year, and it's paying off at the moment. What kind of events did you have in Australia? I know I watched the live webcast from the Moomba Masters that you were at, and I think you took a win there as well, right? Yeah, I took a win at the Moomba Masters, and then we had the World Cup the week after that in Perth, and uh, I actually got second to that one. We had a couple little local contests at home that I competed in, the Australian Nationals and uh, the Pro-Am that we did down in Sydney, which was fun. Yeah, so quite a few events, and you didn't really get too much of a break, I guess. I want to like uh, start by jumping into maybe how you got started and, and uh, your family's involvement in the sport. As a kid, your dad grew up water skiing, from what I understand. Can you talk about him and how he impacted your start on the water? Yeah, well, dad was pretty much like the whole reason we, me and all my brothers started wakeboarding. You know, we uh, grew up, we'd go on the boat every day, and my dad loved going on the boat. My mom loved going on the boat. My grandparents loved it. You know, they were... That was a big part of their pastime. So, yeah, as soon as we were born, that's what they wanted us to do. And we were like, I remember being like two, like two and three years old and out in the tubes, out kneeboarding and stuff. We just loved it. And uh, and then when we were about, I was about five, my brothers and I, we picked up a wakeboard and uh, never really looked back since. Like every day after school, we went wakeboarding. Uh, definitely my dad was a massive part of that. You know, he towed us up and down the river every single day after school and, um, yeah, he was a massive party. He helped out a lot. And without him or my brothers, like, I definitely wouldn't be here today. I don't know if you guys know, but I have two brothers, like an older and a younger brother. And they both, like, rip out of at wakeboarding, too. My younger brother could honestly come. He could come over here right now and ride in the juniors and win. Like, he would beat all those kids. He's got, like, four different nines and stuff. He's really good. But, no, definitely having my brothers and stuff helping me was massive. Was your dad a competitive water skier? Well, my dad was actually a ski racer. But, uh, yeah, he was, like, world champion ski racer. He was, like, so gnarly. He held the world record for fastest ever on a water ski. He went 132 miles per hour. So that was pretty crazy. I think someone recently just beat it. They went at, like, 130 more, 134 miles per hour. So, um, 
that sucks. But yeah, no, it was always uh always cool. Like my dad was really big in the water skiing world, and um. Yeah, we well we had Amber Wing on the podcast last year, and her mom was a ski racer also. So did, did well, your mom and dad, or did her mom? Yeah, her, and like your dad grow yeah, up? yeah. Um, no, my dad always had a crush on Amber Wing's mom. Like the whole time they grew up, when they were like tiny, um, they've known each other since they were like, I don't know, probably like tiny. Like she's probably known my dad since he was like two or three years old. They grew up like living it, like they had places at the same caravan park. So my family, like in the wings and the Cliffords and stuff, they are. Uh, Grew up together, and that the wings are a big part of uh, like my family history. Okay, so your dad had a crush on Amber's mom, and then did you have a crush on Amber? Nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> you guys are, you know, you're both uh, Australian. I'm sure you've Aussies. known her for a long, long time. Yeah, no, I've Amber's probably known me since I was like seven. It's like five or six, actually. Oh, even younger. She would have known me like my whole life. That's insane, man. I it, it's just so cool how the uh, you know the the whole the whole circle of, of the wakeboarding thing it all comes around and, and all and start well, like a lot of the wakeboarding stuff. scene in Australia, like all the parents used to be involved in ski racing. Cause I guess there wasn't like, um, the three events skiing wasn't very big in Australia, but the ski racing was. So all the people that like wakeboard now, all their parents were pretty much involved with ski racing. And you talked about your brothers being competitive and your brother even being able to come over here and compete. So do, do does he compete or do both of your brothers still compete in Australia? Uh, my little brother would do the odd contest. My older brother's blown out his knee twice, so he uh, sort of just doesn't really care for it anymore. He just comes and hangs out and jumps awake and stuff. But he was really good. Like, he could do all the mode fives and sevens and stuff. But my little brother would do the odd contest, and he always comes away with the win. Like, he always kills it. But just really not that into it. You know, he's got a normal job, and he's doing really well at that. And um, he sort of went the a little bit safer route, I guess. So when was it that you started coming to the States and when did you start actually living on your own? Well, the first time I came, I was nine. I competed in like the under nine worlds and ended up in like third place or something. And then I came back like every year after that doing the world championships every year. And I think the first time I came to the States and lived for the whole six months, I was like, I I would have been 14. And I stayed with uh, my friend Jenna Waring, who was a person downtown and she looked after me and my friend Sam Thompson for six months and now she did a really good job. And then the second year I came back and I lived with Nicola Butler and her family on the lake because it was a little bit easier for me to wakeboard and stuff every day where when I was at Jenna's, I would have to get driven around every day to like go places and wakeboard. So no, I definitely, um, first couple of years I got looked after. And then when I was about, I think the year after that, I was 15 and Sam Thompson and I moved into our own house on Lake Holden and Rented that for six months and came back the following year and I bought a house, so that was pretty cool. Your story is a little bit different. I mean, you're obviously one of the most talented riders of, of all time, but a little bit different than, than some of some of the other guys, you know, within our sport. A lot of athletes tend to come from some cash, and um, from, from what I've heard, you know, your folks did everything they could to get you over here those first couple of years, but you pretty much went out on your own uh, pretty soon after, right? Yeah, no, I definitely, when I was growing up, like when I was tiny, there was times where mom and dad would have like no money in the bank, but dad just, I don't know, he supported me and my brothers and stuff. And he knew that we love wakeboarding and this is what we wanted to do. So they did um, everything they possibly could for um, for us to get where we are today. And um, for, oh, I guess my brothers, they ended up going different career paths. They couldn't, I don't know, there was like a lot of pressure and stuff, you know, growing up and trying to be like the best wakeboarder in the world and just all that sort of stuff. So they ended up going in different directions, but I kept at it. And yeah, without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I know, fortunately, my parents, they uh, 
made a couple of good business decisions and they're doing really well themselves now. So no, it's good. Very cool. Uh, competitive wise, I personally remember the first year I actually remember seeing you ride, you were in the boys division and we must've been in Texas for worlds as well. Uh, maybe it was in Reno for worlds. I don't know. I, I just remember you were in the boys division. I remember you going home and then all of a sudden this buzz started like coming up about you. And, you know, obviously you were a great boys rider, but all of a sudden as you're probably like in that 14 year old age bracket, you just started hearing about you uh, all the way from Australia. You're going to come back and just crush everybody. Did you end up spending any time in the junior pro men division? I actually only did one season in the junior pro men division. I came in and in the first event I went in, I ended up winning. And then the rest of the season, I just kept getting beaten by Jimmy and I ended up second overall in the tour that year. And then I came back the next year and I learned a lot of tricks and I was doing pretty good. And I was just kind of, I didn't really want to compete in the juniors again. I really wanted to push myself. So I ended up jumping up into the pro men's division. And uh, the first, actually the first pro tour event I went in, in the pro men's division, I ended up winning. So that was like one of the craziest feelings ever, you know, I um definitely didn't expect that. You know, I was riding against like my heroes, like Aaron Rathy, Rusty, Phil, Danny and stuff and to beat them was just like, I don't know. I didn't even know what happened that day. I remember calling my dad and I was like, dad, I won the event. And he was just like, what? Like everyone he sort of hang up the phone and then like 10 minutes later he called me back and he was like are you serious and I was like yeah I don't even know what happened I just ended up winning and uh yeah that was pretty much when everything got real and that season was amazing for me do you think that a lot of people were shocked that you didn't get one last season in juniors yeah definitely when I decided to go pro there was a lot of people questioning me asking me why are you doing this and my sponsors were sort of like we wanted to stay in juniors just for one more year and win everything and stuff and uh I don't know I just didn't want to do it I definitely wanted to push myself and I think that decision that I made was the best thing I could have ever done you talk about coming in as a rookie you know obviously you, you had all the cards stacked against you that season it was 2009 uh it was your rookie season I think the weight games was the first event of the season and I yeah. believe you actually did you win that one as no, well No I didn't I didn't do good in that one How did you end up doing it that one I didn't make it into the I like semis as far as I got so I'm I'm guessing, you know, at this point, you know, like I said, cards stacked against you. Yeah. Obviously, the odds are all against you. You show up at the Mastercraft Pro Wakeboard Tour, you know, just a few weeks later. You end up taking a, a win there as, as a rookie. Uh, did, did you have any idea what kind of impact you'd be making? No, not really. You know, I just was just a kid that wanted to compete against the pros and have a good time and live the lifestyle that I saw the pro wakeboarders living. And, uh... I don't know, I guess that's what drove me and at the start of my career and it's still driving me now, I guess. Well, let's fast forward. Here we are five, six years later and you're still rattling the industry. This year at the Masters, you put down a perfect scoring run and I believe you were the first person to ever land back-to-back -back double flips in competition, but definitely the first to do three double flips in one rung. Uh, can you talk about what it was like during those passes at the Masters? Yeah, that was unreal. It's definitely something that I've wanted to do for the past couple of years. You now I've been able to do those double flips for a while and I practice them every day at home behind my X Star and uh and I just knew I don't know. I just went into that event and I was just kinda like just like screw it. I wanna set a new precedent for what can be done in a contest and I just did exactly what I did at home, you know, I stuck the double tantrum and then the double cabra right after and then I got to the end of my run and I was like I don't know, the guys in the boat, they were sort of just like, that was sick, like just landing with a double up and uh, call it a day. And I was like, no, nah, I want to go for three. So 
I ended up sticking a double back off the double off as well, which just really sealed the deal and gave me that perfect 100 point, 100 point score. So the trick off the double up, at this point, you've already done, let's see here, you've done two double flips off the wake, you've done uh, two different variations of the 900, you did a, heel, a switch heel nine and a toe, toe nine, nine. Yeah. you did two mob fives, you did a, uh, a Pete Rose to finish your run, but to start past number two off, you did Blind Pete Rose, you did yeah. a you did a blind Pete Rose, and I'm looking I'm I'm looking at this run. I'm actually announcing this run, and in my mind, it's going to be a 1080. <laughs> you know, um, when did you decide what to do off that double up exactly? And and was the 1080 something in your mind at that point? Actually, yeah, the 1080 was something in my mind at that point. Just uh, a couple of days before I started doing regular heel side tens off the double up, so I had that going through my mind. But I don't know. I just. I feel like everyone loves the double flips and stuff, and that's pretty impressive. And uh, there's not really, or there's a couple of people that can do three different double. Or I think Daddy can do three different double flips at the moment. But you know, I just wanted to be the first to do it. You know, I know it's going to be done again in the future because wakeboarding is progressing so fast, and in a couple of years, that's what you're going to see in a standard run. But I just wanted to be the first. Well, I congratulate on that, uh, you on that, because you are the first. That was, <laughs> and and from being right there, I mean, that was. Uh, one of the best moments of my life to announce, you know, that yeah. was, it, it, it doesn't come much better than that, much easier than that. I mean, the crowd, even the crowd, which is predominantly like a, a water ski crowd, even they were like really, really, really into it. Yeah. And no, it was really cool, especially when we did that uh, podium afterwards that night at the banquet. And like I had a standing ovation from all the skiers. I mean, it was like an eighty-five percent room full, maybe ninety percent room full of like water skiers and water ski people. And they're all on their feet, man. That was yeah, insane. it was cool to see. Even on like Instagram and Facebook and stuff, I was getting shout-outs from all the skiers, and I was like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> were, were you surprised to hear that perfect score when you came up to the? And you were third off the dock in the four-man final, so there was still one guy left on the dock when you came. And it's real-time scoring, so they do let the guy know exactly what you scored. Did you ever think that, first of all, did you ever think you'd score a perfect run in wakeboarding? Did you even think it was possible? And what was that like for you? Yeah, no, I definitely, I don't know. Felt a little bit sorry for Phil. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I was really excited when I got into the dock and I seen that. And uh, it just made me, I don't know, even extra stoked on what I just did in my run. Um, I guess I thought it was always possible, you know, in surfing, they give out perfect tens all the time. And in street league and skateboarding and stuff, they give out perfect runs so uh yeah it was definitely about time they start doing in wakeboarding and i hope to see in the future more people riding like that and more people getting those perfect scores well i think it shows that you've just reset the bar to a whole new level so i think there's i think it's a good thing for the sport and i definitely look forward to seeing the competition kind of grow and to see more people kind of coming at you i mean you got you kind of have a bullseye on your back now yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of up-and-coming kids that have got the tricks to beat me at just uh, whether or not they can put it together in the contest, but it's only a matter of time. I want to just touch one a little bit more about the um, about that Masters stuff. Um, Phil Sovin being last off the dock, hearing that score. You know, before we started recording, we talked about if you had said anything to him before he left the dock, and you said that you hadn't. Um, I talked to Phil after the event. I talked to him that night, and he told me that he thinks he had the tricks to come out there off the dock and beat you. I, I know you would have loved to have seen him stand up. I mean, no doubt you want it to be the best competition of all time. Do you believe that Phil has the tricks to beat you? Well, I guess I can't really comment on that, you know. I, but I, I don't know. It would have to, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he probably would have had to learn tricks out there to 
to be, you know, he can do a 10 and he can do a crow seven and stuff. But, um, I don't know. I threw down a pretty solid run, I reckon. And I think if he stuck a 10 and a crow seven, it's still, I don't, I don't know, probably still wouldn't have made the cut, but no, I would have loved to seen him, uh, throw down a solid run. It sucks that he fell. Um, but you never know. But he felt going for it. He felt he was going for that. He you knew he was going for. It. I I was thinking that we were gonna see him go for um, the Chrome Ob Seven, which is the trick that took him down two times. I figured we'd yeah. see a Whirly Dick, and I don't know. I've been hearing rumors of a Back Mob Seven Twenty from from Phil. I yeah, think. Mate, I I don't know. I have, I haven't really ridden with him much. I've never really seen him do a Back Mob Five or anything. But you know, Phil's an amazing athlete. He's uh definitely one of the most consistent riders out there, and he's definitely um proven that over the past couple of years you know there's been years where he's pretty much won everything and he's definitely one of the reasons where i am where i am today too i know growing up like he was sort of i don't know 14 and 15 when i was like on 9 and 10 and he was like in the pro contest and winning and stuff and i was just like oh i want to be like phil Sovin. so i guess it was froggy at that time you guys have a, a little bit of a contest rivalry going on I I mean it, I think it's obvious out there. There's you, you look at the, all of the years uh, since 2009, and so many finals have been you and Philip Sovin. You know, one and two. Um, obviously competitive on the water. Uh, how how well do you guys get along off the water? Oh yeah, me and Philip are great friends. I reckon I um we always catch up after the events, have a couple of beers together, always talking crap to each other, having a good time, and uh. No, it's definitely not really like off the water rivalry, but on the water, it's definitely game time when we go into the contest and uh, a little bit of beef here and there. But no, we keep it fun. Watching Prime Wake movie, which uh, came out in oh geez, that was October of uh, two thousand and fourteen. I was in Seattle for the premiere of it with Kilgus and some of the boys, uh, so I, I was one of the first people to get to see that actually. And it seems like. I don't know if it was the movie or if this is really happening, but a little bit of a dowdy Harley rivalry starting to brew. Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, well, I'm actually really good friends with Dowdy, but you know how, uh, I don't know, the outside of the world sort of looks in at things and they see me sort of, I guess, like sitting at the top and then this other little kid who's coming up and is sort of knocking me off my pedestal, but, and they want to put it together and like make it look like there's like a massive rivalry between him and I, but no, there's not really. He, um, He's killing it, and I love to watch him ride. You know, he does push me a lot. You know, he's uh he's pushing the sport away quite a lot right now. The tricks that he's landing is are insane, and just excited to see what he can do in the future. And no, I'm stoked for him. Whatever he does, good on him. He's he deserves it. Let's take a quick breather now, and we'll be right back. Uh, but first things first, I want to take a few moments to talk about one of the newest sponsors of the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm excited to officially announce the Golden Mike Podcast's newest sponsor. CDEC. CDEC is the leading manufacturer of a range of comfortable and durable EVA non-skid products for the marine industry. Working with leading boat manufacturers pretty much across the board in the towed water sports industry, CDEC has redefined non-skid flooring and so much more. CDEC provides exceptional non-skid as well as a luxurious feel, and because it can be customized to your specification, SeaDeck offers a unique look that will set your boat apart from the crowd. Throw in the easy-to-peel-and-stick application, and you have the perfect do-it-yourself addition to your boat. SeaDeck is made in the U.S. and trusted by the best boat builders in the world, such as Nautique, Mastercraft, Taiga, Supra, just to name a few. 
SeaDeck is available as a stock option on the best boats. It can also be ordered custom from the SeaDeck factory. Visit www.seadeck.com for more information. Also, be sure to like SeaDeck on Facebook. You can also be automatically entered into SeaDeck's regular drawings and product giveaways through social media by using hashtags SeaDeck and hashtag SeaDeck. Everybody, please follow them on Instagram at SeaDeck, S-E-A-D-E-K, and watch out for more future collaborations between SeaDeck, myself, and the Golden Mike Podcast. Now back to the show with my guest, Harley Clifford. You know, I don't get to ride with you very often or ever as of right now. I know we've talked about it in the past, but I'm sure you surround yourself with good, positive people to ride with. Who are some of the guys uh, that you're riding with right now, and how do they push you? Well, currently I have uh, another Australian kid living at my house, Nick Rapper, who is killing in the juniors. He's won, uh, I think he won the first two events coming into the season, did a little bit bad at the last the last event, but uh, no, he's killing it. You know, you go out with him, stuck a 10 the other day, sticking like a bunch of mode fives and stuff, and he's definitely pushing me. I can see him being one of the future kids of the sport, so it's been fun riding with him and watching him learn. Um, I ride with guys like Aaron Rath the other time, Steel after he showed it to Zuka there, some of my best friends, and some of the funnest kids you can ride with and definitely some of the best wakeboarders on the water. So, uh, no, I get out there and ride with those guys a fair bit. And Corey Tunison, who lives on my lake, I watch him rip a fair bit. You know, he's crushing it. He definitely is one of the boys that is pushing me pretty hard right now to um, stay on top. And, uh, no, it's been fun. Definitely trying to surround myself with good riders and fun riders and definitely like to have a variety of people I can change it up and it depends what mood I'm in in the day. And, who want to ride with, but uh, no, it's always a good time. What about uh, some of the old school Australian guys, guys like Daniel Watkins or Josh Sanders or Brett Eisenhower? What kind of relationship do you have with those guys, or how much time do you ever spend riding with them? Um, well, the first, actually, the first couple of years I came to America, I spent a lot of time riding with Josh Sanders. He definitely helped me out a lot and gave me a place to ride and do all that stuff. Daniel Watkins uh, lives down the road from me in Australia, so we hang out all the time. He's uh, definitely one of the funnest boys that to catch up with when you go back to Oz, you know, he's always got some good stories and he's always down for a good time and a couple of beers. So I love hanging out with him and same as Ike, you know, he's one of the, I guess one of the craziest guys I know and having him around is like one of the best, like always the best times ever. So no, I enjoy catching up with the old boys. They're good times. And, and, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's over on the gold coast. And did you grow up on the gold coast of Australia as well? No, I actually grew up in oh, Newcastle, which is about two hours north of sydney and then uh about six years ago my family moved up to the gold coast and we've been there ever since although you're still a young guy i've seen contest results of yours dating all the way back to i want to say 2002 so i know that you know a little bit of history about the sport of wakeboarding in general uh i also know that you used to look up to parks bonifay a lot uh growing up uh you've got to have an old school uh parks bonifay video part that you like yeah, definitely. Um, Twelve Honkies is like the best section ever. I reckon still now today, it's one of the funnest ones to watch. Um, Parks in that movie is just so ahead of his time. You know, sticking ten eighties and heel nines and like toes of little blinds and just tricks that people like nowadays like still can't even do. So definitely, that's one of the funnest sections uh I've ever watched, and that amps me up to go wakeboard. I definitely throw it on here and there when I'm uh when I'm about to go ride. What, uh, why do you think that we don't have movies that are like as fun as 12 honkies anymore? Like has wakeboarding taken a kind of a serious, you know, side path or something? 
yeah, it's just different. I guess you can't really, I don't know. I guess if you did that nowadays, people would call it gimmicky and stuff like that. Where like, I don't know, back in the day, you could just sort of get away with that stuff and people like that stuff. But now, now the editing and stuff is so serious and all the filmers want to put out the best movies that they can put out. And I don't know, a lot of the filmers like Kilgus and stuff, he's uh looking at movies like Art of Flight and stuff like from Snowbody and he wants to make films that are like that sort of quality. So, um, no, it's definitely, definitely taken a change and, and, um, no, I think it's a change for the better. The movies now are unreal and the filmers are killing it. And, uh, yeah. Very progressive stuff. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Hey, when do you think we'll start seeing more 1080s at contests? Don't you think the fans deserve it? I mean, you can do it. Yeah, no, I definitely, the fans deserve, deserve what we got, but, uh, I don't know. They're just a, a little bit, they're pretty hard, you know. We go out and I can do them like pretty much every time out, out behind the boat practicing and stuff. But when you go and do a contest, not everything's always right. You know, the wake's not the same as what you used to at home. It could be rough. It could be windy. Um, you got a lot of pressure on you. You don't want to fall. So, you know, it's a little bit different. But give it another year or so and there's definitely going to be a fair few 1080s going down. I know Corey Tunison has got them on lock. I've got them on lock. Um, I'm sure kids like Marcy and Dowdy and stuff can do them really well as well. So. No, definitely in the next year or so, you're going to start seeing more 1080s. Hey, you won Trick of the Year at Wake Awards with Chromobe 900 a few years back. Uh, are you working on any other Mobe 900 variations? Uh, I have gave a couple of back Mobe 900s uh, a couple cracks, but it's a pretty big landing. I've gotten really close and made it around with the handle, but um, just haven't, haven't ridden away from one yet. But I'll work on a couple before at the end of the year. I think this year it's going to be uh, pretty tough to... Win trick of the year with that triple flip going down. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I was going to transition into that, you know, big tricks, Mobe 900s. But yes, now, finally, uh, just, you know, basically a week or two after you made history with, with the all-time contest run, Cody Hess, who's a young guy who I know, I, I've done some traveling with him. He's a good dude. But in the world of wakeboarding, he doesn't really have the biggest name, right? He didn't have the biggest name yeah. last week. He uh, has been blowing up all over social media since since the triple flip. Uh, what what's your, what are your thoughts? Oh, I thought it was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, definitely crazy to know that that sort of stuff is possible on a wakeboard. And now like seeing that just opens up like everyone's eyes and what even more could be possible. You know, now it's when, I don't know, like a couple of years ago, it was sort of like, is anyone ever going to do a triple flip? Now one's done soon. A couple of people are going to do it. And then people are going to be thinking, is everyone, anyone ever going to do a quad flip? So now it's definitely cool to see that sort of progression in our sport. And uh, yeah, thanks for Cody for doing that. What about behind the boat? Is it possible? A triple flip behind? Oh. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely possible. I know years ago, Darren Shapiro was trying them and getting really close. And that was off double ups that are nowhere near as big as the, the boats are putting out today. So um, yeah, definitely definitely possible just got to find the right guy to do it he's not scared to try him i know i've been thinking about it recently especially after seeing cody do that some pushing me to go for one but just gotta throw some balls i guess so what about the what about the fact that it was on a cable because i was i don't know exactly what site i was looking at earlier but i you know i watch the video clips and then i start looking for the video clip everywhere it's posted so i can see all the trash talking that's going down yeah and Somebody actually did say something on the lines of it not being legit because it was off of that kicker and on a cable. Definitely legit. You know, Cody put into eff- uh, put effort into making that kicker and um, 
I don't know. I, I think that kicker looked harder to do it off than it what it would have been to go to OWC and do it off that XL kicker they have there. Um no, I think it was it was a triple flip, like what isn't legit about it. He went upside down three times, he landed perfect and uh I was just stoked to see that done. He's a Cody's actually a really good boat rider also. He's got a, a super, super unique style. I don't know if you've ever gotten to to witness him ride behind the boat. Yeah, I seen him ride years ago, not since he's like blown up though. Yeah. Cool to see him have a rip now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's fun. I actually rode out on your lake out on Lake Jessamine with uh BT and Cody one day. It was pretty uh it was pretty fun. Uh we talked Cody that triple flip went down on a two tower cable system. Um how about you and cable events? What are your thoughts? Um, well, cable's sort of not really my scene, you know. There's uh that's like a different aspect of wakeboarding, you know, you know, wakeboarding's so separated. There's boat wakeboarding, there's cable wakeboarding, and then there's winching and stuff like that. And um it's good for the sport to have like those different options for when you're getting into it and you wanna um I don't know, maybe like some families can't afford a boat and stuff like that. So they got the cable, they got the winching and stuff like that. But uh no, it's really cool. I love cable wakeboarding. I love watching the videos. It's definitely blowing up at the moment. There's some crazy stuff going down in that that aspect of wakeboarding. But um, yeah, I'm sort of sticking more to the boat and that sort of stuff. You know, I have the boat contracts and stuff, and they want me to stay on the boat. And um, don't don't you think you would compete pretty well on a cable? Um, I've had a couple cracks. I've done a ride. I I did one at the start of the year and made semifinals, and then I actually just fell on the first lap, and then I couldn't even be bothered to to run back around, so I just gave it up and let the other boys go for it. But, uh, no, I, no, I enjoy it. I definitely like getting on the cable here and there. And, uh, sometimes when I'm getting a little bit frustrated with the boat, I have a couple of days off and go rip the cable and refresh my mind and thoughts of what can be done on a wakeboard. So, uh, yeah, no, the cable is a good aspect of, um, of wakeboarding, and, yeah, it's cool that it's there. Hey, so you've competed in so many different events in so many different formats. Uh, what have you found? Which format kind of suits your style the best? Which one do you like the best? Uh, really sort of enjoying this two-run format where we get two goes at it, you know. It's um, a little bit nerve-wracking if you fall on your first run, but if you stand up what you, what you want on your first run, you really get a good opportunity to just go for it on your second run and try and lay down a run that um, you're really stoked on. So... No, definitely pretty cool. Enjoying and enjoying this format. It's uh, it's a little bit tricky, you know. I think there's definitely a couple more tweaks that we can do before we get the perfect format. But uh, for now that's working, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to some of the new formats we come up with in the future. I I love the one fall rule personally. I know I know a lot of riders probably would rather get picked up one time, but I think that it adds a lot. It and I think it's really cool how the boat just heads right back to the dock. I think it saves a lot of time. Yeah. But uh, that's that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, so. I think it's a lot better for the viewers as well. You know, when you see someone have a crash and then still end up winning, you're sort of like, oh, but the other guy stood up his run. Why is he not winning? So, no, it's definitely cool to see nowadays that you cannot win a contest without standing up your boss. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, once again, a, a bar set by you. <laughs> so, Harley, you almost always uh, go off the dock last in pretty much every heat and pretty much every single contest that you're in. What's going through your mind while you're watching everybody else in your heat ride? Um, I actually try not to take notice of everyone else's riding. You know, I know what I want to do when I go out and ride. And um, I just sort of try. I know like a lot of the other riders like riding after people so they can watch what they do and, and sort of base their run off that. But I have a picture of what I'm going to do a week before I go to the contest. You know, I'm not basing it off something else. I'm basing it off what I've been training on all week f before that contest and what I know I'm going to be able to stick. So. 
um, I just sort of go in with that thought and don't sort of worry about what everyone else is doing. I just keep to myself and ride for myself, you know. You you always seem to ride a little bit better when the odds are stacked against you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure how how you do it. I mean, obviously the fact that maybe that you got those runs all set in, in place, but. Yeah, that, I guess there's some, some new riders now who are killing it, you know, but I, uh, I've been competing pro for like five years now and that some of those guys, it's their first year and stuff. So I just sort of have maybe that little bit more experience than them at the moment, but I mean, they're coming up and some of the runs they're throwing down is going to be tough for me to beat. Uh, Corey Tunison, we talked about him a little bit earlier today and, uh, he trains right here on the lake and, some are saying that Corey might be the next viable competitor for you. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. He's killing it. You know, he's uh, definitely a threat in the contest at the moment. Um, getting in a heat with him or in a finals with him is pretty nerve-wracking. He's got the tricks to, to win on any given day. So just only a matter of time before he puts it together. And I don't know. I guess it's going to be hard for me to beat him, but I'm going to have to go for it. Hey, what do, you think the, uh, what do you think the ultimate final, like the hardest final would be like right now? Like with riders, yeah, six guy, the six man final that that you just um, hate to be in, but also love to be a part of. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, there's so many good riders out there right now, but I guess definitely like probably Mike Dowdy, um, Corey Tunison, Rusty Malinowski, Phil Sovin, even Marcy Pifferetti. You know, they all got the biggest tricks in the game, and uh, it'd be cool to see um, a contest with those guys and like perfect conditions and everyone riding on their, on their game. So what what is the perfect contest? Like where, where, what site do you like to ride at most out of anywhere you've been? Oh, I guess I think my favorite site that we've competed at in the past couple of years would have to be that site in Michigan where my scarf did their final pro tour stop last year. That place is unreal. Yeah. I, I love that place too. It was, uh, it, it's definitely a huge venue and, I think sometimes there seem to be huge crowds there, but it's such a big venue that everybody's so spread out. But even last year, I mean, it was like four or five deep yeah. on the beach, but just a, such a long, long sight as well. Yeah, that's a good sight. You know, it's it's deep the whole the whole way. It doesn't get rolly. It's pretty protected from the wind. So, um, yeah, that place is sick. Yeah, and we we're we're actually going to talk a little bit about that um, here in just a moment. Um, Mastercraft made a huge announcement earlier uh, in the year, and um, there's there's going to be a big event uh, alongside the X Games. It's a big project that uh, Mastercraft's been working on. Can you? Can, I'm actually sitting here in your house, and I'm looking at a uh, that silver Mastercraft box, and I know that's got a, probably a lot of the the details of the events. It's two events that Mastercraft is doing this year: uh, the Throwdown and then their X Games. Can you elaborate on on these two events? Yeah, Mastercraft just sort of, I guess they might have been a little bit over doing like the the same wakeboard event every year. You know, they wanted to step outside the box and do sort of, I guess, what Red Bull is sort of been doing, you know, like the live events on TV and the, the really big events that are, I don't know, you can go and win like some serious money out and do stuff like that. So, yeah, they're put them getting uh, wakeboarding back in the X Games is obviously probably one of the biggest things of this whole year. It's insane. You know, basically. can you break it down? It's kind of a unique concept for first. Let's talk about the X games event. Yeah. Um, um, the X games event is sort of like a, a video contest. They selected eight riders. Um, we all got given a budget to make a film, a 90 second video clip. We all got partnered up with a filmer. I got partnered up with Greg Browning, who's, you know, Jamie O'Brien, the surface filmer and 
Um, he did an awesome job. You know, we just got done filming my part like a week ago and we go to San Diego next week to judge the, um, the final five. It got narrowed down from eight to five riders and I got, I was fortunate enough to make the cut into that final five. So yeah. And I think the riders vote on X games one, two, and three. And then after that it comes out and airs on TV, there's like a publicly voted, um, section where they play the, uh, the top five. Um, probably on ESPN.com or something like that, and you can and you can vote on it, and and uh, the winner of that gets next game score medal as well. So it's a really cool concept, and uh, I know a lot of the writers have put a lot of effort into their videos, like Aaron Rathie and Rafterome have been filming for ages, and they've been building crazy obstacles and stuff. So I can't wait to see those videos, and uh, yeah, it's really cool for wakeboarding, and um, it's definitely going to make a big big impact on the action sports scene. Now, what about the other uh, part of Mastercraft's event, the Throwdown? This is an event that's actually going to be happening on August 8th of 2015 at that spot in Michigan that you were talking about. Yeah. And that that event is going to be um, along with, it's going to be live on TV from what I understand. Yeah, live, yeah. And the Godfrey clan is going to be a big part of it as mm-hmm. well. So what 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 are the what are the details, what are the deets on that event? Yeah, I'm sort of... They sort of haven't really given too much away. I probably know nearly as much as what you do. It's live on TV. Um, it's an hour and a half um, show. Yeah, live on TV. Got the Godfrey clan that's going to be a massive part of it. We obviously know the eight riders that are invited to it now. Um, yeah, it's just going to be an event that, uh, I don't know, it's going to be the biggest and best event of the year. You know, it's got the most prize money. There's some serious prize money. I think the winner can go home with like $50,000 or something. So that's pretty insane. Um yeah, it's going to be a fun event. I can't wait for it. I know there's going to be some serious riding going down. You know, they invited the eight best riders in the world, and um, everyone's going to be going for it. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that event go down. I, as of right now, I don't know if I'm announcing it or not. I, either way, I don't really care because I'm going to, if I'm not there, my eyes are going to be glued to the television watching it because, like you said, I mean, this is probably since uh, probably since the Red Bull Wake Open, this is probably the biggest thing that's happened for for Toad Water Sports. Yeah, by far. You know, Mastercraft just um, they sort of I don't know. At the end of last year, everyone was like, "What is Mastercraft doing? Why are they putting no events on?" And then this year, they've sort of really just um set a new precedent for wakeboarding events. You know, they got wakeboarding back into the X Games. They're putting on the biggest event of the year. It's live on TV, and uh, yeah, I just can't wait for the world to see it. The stuff that we've been working on. Yep, definitely looking forward to it. Another one of your sponsors, Body Glove. Uh, I got to admit, the Body Glove team looks like it's a blast to be a part of. Rusty, Bob Sovin, Jeff McKee, James Balzer. Um, lo- last big video you guys did was Slick City. Yeah. Do you remember uh, filming any of that? Yeah, Slick City was unreal. You know, we had the guys come out to Australia, and I was like a little bit younger at the time. I was probably only like 15 or 16, and... I didn't so much like fit in with all the guys then, you know, I was really good friends with Bob and stuff and I have been since I was like, Hey, you know, been great friends, but, uh, that was a little bit different back then. But now like all those guys are like my best friends. Like I wish I could go on a trip with them now and, um, and do something. It'd be cool to start working on a new video. I'm not really sure what plans we have for the future, but definitely talk of some stuff like that. But yeah, all those guys like James Balzer, Rusty, um, Jeff McKay, Bob, they're like obviously some of the funnest guys in wakeboarding and, and uh, also some of the most, like, progressive and well-known wakeboarders, so that's why they're on the team. And, um, yeah, going on trips with those guys is unreal, you know. What about the uh, part in Slick City when Balzer went down in that drainage ditch or whatever? 
I don't know. I don't know if you were there for that part or not. But no, I wasn't there, but I heard a lot about it. You know, that was crazy. He honestly, he was like, he told me like he, we sat down and he was like, dude, I thought I was gonna die. Like, yeah, yeah. I actually watched. I watched the footage of it t- today for the first time since the premiere of that movie. That's heavy. Yeah, man, that was that was scary for yeah. sure. I'm, I mean, obviously we're so so yeah. happy. That no, I've he... seen a a bunch of extras in that movie that you guys probably haven't seen, and some of the stuff that you see balls they do is just ridiculous. He's so funny. Oh yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> dude, on a wake skate, the guy is just insane. Oh, unreal. What, what about you? You used to do a bunch of wake skating. Yeah, I do a little bit of wake surfing, uh, wake skating here and there. Um, I know not last year, the year before, I really got into it, and I was wake skating a bunch, and I remember um going out with Grub and watching him try and learn kickflips and he probably tried like five or six and couldn't get it. And then I went out there right after him and stuck it first try. And it was Wake like, to wake? No, no, oh. just just inside out on the jet ski. But no, that was a pretty funny moment. But no, I enjoy going wake skating. You know, I go and take Grub, um, wake skating a fair bit. I drive him a bit and he's, it's so fun to watch. You know, it's insane how consistent that guy is and what the tricks that they're doing nowadays, you know, like bigger spins, wake to wake and backside, backside 540s yeah. and like, yeah, it's sick to see those guys are really pushing their limits, and um, yeah, that's also a cool aspect of wakeboarding. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, wake skating is one of my favorite things to watch, and I love watching those guys behind the boat. I mean, it's it's so impressive, and it's so much harder than probably anybody knows. You know, as far as what those guys are doing. Yeah, some of the stuff those guys are doing in soccer. It's it can't be taught. You know, some of those tricks that Danny Hampson does, yeah. the backside bigger spin. I mean, there's probably only going to be ten people ever in the world doing that trick. Yeah, no, know? those guys are crazy. It's really cool to see, and the control that those guys have with their boards is just insane. What's the what's the craziest um, encounter you've ever had with a fan? Um, I've definitely had a couple girls. Like in person. I've definitely had a couple, a bunch of girls like freak out and start crying and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, oh, one of the funnest thing, funniest things I ever, like, I guess he's not obviously not a fan at all, but like I met Justin Bieber one time and he came up to me and it, I was like sort of like really nervous to talk to him. And he was like, Hey Harley. I was like, what, how do you know my name? And he was like, yeah, I've seen videos of you and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> like, were they like showing him videos like on the way to. No, no, I guess he, he's like, he's like, right. He oh, posted yeah. a video He's... of him wakeboarding one time. He was yeah. on my wakeboard and stuff. So, and I uh, I hooked him up with a wakeboard and sent him out a wakeboard and. He's um been ripping on it now and then. Dude, you should have him shout you out on uh on on Instagram. <laughs> Bring you up to. I was gonna take him wakeboarding <laughs> once when he was in Australia, but then he had to like fl- like fly out to Sydney for an interview or something like that, so I didn't get to do it. But maybe next time. Man, that, it would have been sweet if he brought the high school musical girl with him, Selena oh, Gomez. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a real treat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any of your fans ever like tracked down your house or anything like that? Uh oh, one guy. One day, I just had some dude rock up to the front of the house and brought a gas can. He was like, "Hey, can I come wakeboarding with you?" And I was like, "Who are you, dude?" So did you t- <laughs> did you take him wakeboarding? <laughs> no. It yeah. was like at like seven in the morning too. I just went back to sleep. Um, we were like, weird. "Mate, try again at 10. <laughs> you're like, you're like, forget the forget the gas. Bring back some turkey bacon and scrambled eggs or something. Yeah, bring me breakfast, and then maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> Who's the best wakeboarder to travel with? Mm, probably rusty it's pretty fun and pretty on it you know he's always like if you get to an airport and you're like late to a flight or something he'll make sure you get on the plane and like all that sort of stuff but i don't know some of the funnest people to travel with are like steel lafty and and short Suzuka, you know daniel powers everywhere we go we have a good time ended up missing flights and stuff and i don't know have beers and stuff in the airport we've definitely done that who's, a few times who's like the worst tony iacone Oh, 
yeah, he's pretty hopeless. He just falls <laughs> asleep everywhere. Like you go to the Sky Club, you go go like stand up for like five minutes to go get some food, you come back and he's sleeping. You're just like, dude, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's got the Sky Club card? Is that all we of all you? Have Sky Club cards. Yeah. No, you, it's a it's a necessity when you travel as much as what we do. Can you can you take guests in there? Yeah, you got a guest. Don't forget don't forget about the mano, my you know, friend. You know, man, you travel a fair bit too. I know. I. I I'm 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 low budget traveling. They always pay for my ticket and they always True. book me the cheapest flights out there. Dogs. I can't complain though, man. I'm at all, I'm at all the events, my friend. Exactly. I'm at all the events. So, hey, um, well, we're done with all the tough stuff now. So, uh, let you go ahead and tell everybody how to follow you and your journey through social media. Yeah, I guess you can check me out on my Facebook. It's just I don't know. Type in Holly Clifford and my fan page will come up. And then on Instagram at Holly Clifford, same as Twitter. Um, I don't really tweet that much, but uh, yeah, Instagram's where I like posted a lot of my stuff and then a lot of the videos that are posting stuff from Facebook. So if you want to keep updated, just check it out. What's the, what's the real Harley Clifford Facebook page? Cause I was like looking, there's like 10 of them. Oh, uh, it's the one that's verified. All right. The one with the little tick on it. Bam. The it. check. You're yeah. all checked up. Uh-huh. Uh, how about your sponsors? You want to give them a little love? Yeah, definitely. Um, if, Like I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for them. They pay the bills and they uh send me around the world to do what I do. So big thanks to like Liquid Force, Mastercraft, Oakley, Body Glove, Monster Energy, Biwake, and uh yeah, my obviously my family and stuff. Same to them, all my fans, love you guys, um, all my friends. Um, yeah, thanks to everyone. Thanks to Dano. Yeah, the mano. Dude, thank you, my friend. Thanks again for sitting down and letting us do this little podcast, Harley. This has been fun. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks for coming over. Yep, well, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to the people, the listeners, the manomaniacs, the the Harley maniacs. That's right, my friend. Trust me, they're going to love it. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, can't wait for you guys to hear it. Well, guys, that was Harley Clifford right there, and this is the Golden Mike Podcast, and we'll be right back to close this out after some sweet sponsor love. Jammy Pack is the original fanny pack with affordable, portable, and durable audio technology. Jammy Pack Audio is now offered in backpacks, bike packs, coolers, and more. Be sure to check Jammy Pack's all-new Bluetooth technology as well as everything else at jammypack.com. Jammy Pack, let there be music. I'll hand it to Harley. He is the man. And in the words of the great Ric Flair, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And this season, in six straight contests in a row, Nobody was able to do that. Every time Harley wins, I think it adds a little pressure moving towards the next event. But he seems like he never lets it get to him. Well, family's also important to Harley, and it was cool hearing about his early days. I personally know Harley's parents, especially his dad. I'm sure they're proud to see how far he's come, and I'm sure they're stoked with his impressive performances pretty much every time he hits the water. Two thumbs up to Harley on my end. As the announcer, I watch a lot of things going on at contests. Harley always has time for fans, as most pros do, but he's always got a smile on his face and ready to do the right thing. Photos, autographs, whatever. That's what uh, being a pro is all about. You've got to be a pro all the time, on and off the water. It was good chatting with Harley, and I'm just pumped that he had time for the Golden Mike podcast. Now listen up, listeners. I want to hear from you. Your feedback is always welcomed and encouraged. Shoot me a note through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, or message me 
through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Again, I'm on Twitter. Follow me at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. I'm on Instagram at Dano T Mano, and you can follow me if you want, but you don't have to. Thank you again to the Phenom, Harley Clifford. And now a few shout-outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to iWake.com, Performance Ski and Surf, PerfSki.com, Hydra Fenders, Hungry Boards, SUP, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, SeaDeck Marine Products, GoPuck, my friends at Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. That's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.